Thank you for joining us today. We'll continue our study of the Gospel of Luke. We'll be discussing how Jesus taught us to pray and the incredible gift of the Holy Spirit to Christians. So if you'll open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, we'll begin our lesson. Why don't we get started? Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this day and for this group and for those who will be listening to this recording later. As we study about prayer today and about the Holy Spirit today, we just ask that you teach us what we need to learn. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who enables us to continue to become more Christ-like. The Holy Spirit also helps us pray as we'll study today, and we just thank you so much for that gift that you've given us, as well as the ability to communicate with you and to speak to you directly. What an honor that we're able to do that through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. I ask that you speak through me and others who speak up today, guide our discussion to continue to transform us into the people that you want us to be. And we all pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we're in Luke 11. We're going to be studying about prayer as well as the Holy Spirit this morning. So let's just jump right in. I'm in chapter 11, verse 1. And it came about that while he was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. So this John, this is a reference to John the Baptist, and the disciples are saying, we don't know how to pray. We want to pray. They may have been listening or watching Jesus pray, and they want to learn how to pray. And so what we're going to see here in the next several verses is a shortened version of what you probably are familiar with as the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to go over and look at the longer version over in Matthew here in just a minute, Matthew 6. I want to walk us through this. And even though this says, we're going to see in verse 2, it says, and Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, and then words are written. I think this is really more of a model of a prayer. It certainly says that when we get over to Matthew and look at that. Jesus doesn't want us just to pray rotely. Most of us probably memorized the Lord's Prayer when we were little kids. And when we get over to Matthew, I'll show you where mindless repetition is not praying. God doesn't want that. And that's what we're told when we get over to Matthew and we'll take a look at that. It's having the right mindset, the right motives. And as we'll see in this model, in verse 2, we're going to see it's about God's glory. And then in the remaining verses, it's really about man's needs. So let's take a look at this. By the way, this is a different location than the Lord's Prayer that we read about in Matthew when we get over there. Remember, Jesus right now is making his final journey to Jerusalem so here he's somewhere in Judea. The Lord's Prayer that is given to us in Matthew is a different occasion because Jesus was in Galilee at that time. But it's similar. It follows the same model that Jesus was teaching his disciples. And Jesus prayed very often. This type of prayer is so different than what was taught in Jewish traditions. Um, and what Jesus is saying, those prayers of just mindless repetition is not the way to pray. And we'll see that when we get over to Matthew. So let's start right in. He says to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. So what an honor, what a privilege we have to communicate directly with God the Father. 
It's this personal relationship that we have as Christians. And so we're to begin our prayers with reverence to God and addressing God as Father. Of course, this was shocking to the Jews to be able to address God as Father because we are His children. It's all about this personal relationship that we have with the Lord, that we can call Him Father. We can call God the Father, Father. We can go directly to God. We don't have to go through a priest or someone else. Then it says, Thy kingdom come. This is loyalty. It's all about God's program. It's not about bringing glory to us. It's about doing our part in God's kingdom and submitting to God's will. And then he says, Give us each day our daily bread. So this isn't just food. This isn't just bread. This is dependence on God, that God's going to provide for us. Let me just show you real quick. We're going to be flipping over to Matthew several times. So just go over to the left, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Go over to the left to Matthew. And I want to look at Matthew 6. And we'll be looking at several verses in Matthew 6. But let's jump in at Matthew 6, verse 25. And it says, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you should put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one single cubit to your lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, and with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But first seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so we're to pray. We're to ask God to help us, to help us through our trials, to help teach us something. So we're to rely on God we should know that he's going to take care of us. And then it says, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. This is really tough. We are to forgive people. We've been forgiven. This is really our greatest need. And our most deadly problem is sin. And there's only one cure for that. Let's go over, keep your finger here, and let's go over to Romans 3. Just go over to the right, uh, several books. It's right after Acts. And I want to look at Romans 3, verse 10. And it says, There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. And all have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips. And then skip down to verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift 
by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. And so we're all sinners. We have nothing to contribute to our salvation, but we've been declared righteous as a gift because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's through God's grace that we have that. And so we've got to forgive people. We've been forgiven. It just reminds me of the situation with my daughter's doctor. You all know the story. My daughter was born normal and through a mistake of a doctor left her with brain damage and lots of problems. And it took me a long time before I was able to forgive that doctor for what he did. But as I thought more and more about how imperfect I am and all the stuff I do that I mess up and sin all the time and Jesus has forgiven me, I had to forgive that doctor. And I'll tell you that when I did, there was just tremendous peace that came to me. And I don't even think about that doctor or what he did anymore. It doesn't even come in my mind, except when I'm teaching on something like this or I'm asked about it. So if there's someone in your life that might be a family member, might be a long-lost friend or something that you've really had some anger or maybe even hatred towards because of something that was said or done, I encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you find that forgiveness. And it will be very freeing when you do forgive others. When we get over and look at it in Matthew, it actually says, forgive us the same way we forgive others. And so if we haven't forgiven, I mean, it's assumed that we're going to forgive people because God has forgiven us from so much. So let's continue on. And it says, and lead us not into temptation. First of all, God doesn't tempt. You can look at that in James 1.13. But we're weak and we need protection. And so it's good to ask God to help us. Show us the exit ramp that we've looked at several times in 1 Corinthians 10.13, where it says when we are going through difficult times, they're no different than what others are going through. But God will always, when there is a temptation, show us the exit ramp. At least there's one there. When we actually sin, it's because we're not looking for the exit ramp. We're just going ahead with our fleshly desires. But there's always one there for us. What I want to go look at now, and before I do that, let me mention this one other thing. There's not a particular place or time or position that we should be in to pray. Throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture, People get in different positions to pray. You might be on your knees. You might be standing up. You might be sitting down. You might be laying down on the ground, prostrate. There's no place where it's dictated what position we should assume. But we should be very thankful that we do have the ability to communicate directly with God the Father because of our faith in Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show you later some other verses on the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. I'll come to that in just a little while. So this is a model to pray. I don't think this is meant to be something that is memorized and just chanted over and over again or even one time without thinking about the words. So let me go over to Matthew. Let's just flip back over to Matthew 6 real quick. And let me show you several other things about the Lord's Prayer and how you can use it in your prayer life as a model. Let's start in in verse 5. It says, I'm in Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by men. Truly I say to you that they have their reward in full. 
But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you have shut your door, pray to the Father who is in secret, and our Father who sees in secret will repay you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So long prayers, repetitious prayers, that's not what God wants. Reciting mindless chants, mindless prayers over and over and over again. I know there's some denominations that come to my mind going through the rosary, through beads, just saying over and over and over again the same prayers without thinking about the words. That's not praying. That's not what God wants to hear from us. I'll also show you in Mark 12, 40, this is where Jesus is talking about the scribes. He says, beware of the scribes, up in verse 38. And he says, they are the ones who devour widows' houses. And then here's the, what I want you to focus on. And for a parent's sake, offer long prayers. They will receive greater condemnation. So it's not about long, lengthy prayers. Those can tend to just become something where you're calling attention to yourself. Most of the prayers you see in the Bible are really pretty short. In any event, let's read on verse 8. I'm back over in Matthew 6, verse 8. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Here's where it says, pray then in this way. So here's the model. Again, it's set up just like what we saw in Luke. It starts out all about God's glory, and then it ends about man's needs. So we should begin our prayers following this model. You can pray this prayer. I often do it where I just say, Our Father who art in heaven. And then I stop, and I think about those words. Our Father, you're in heaven. I'm so thankful I have a personal relationship with you because of Jesus and because of what he's done. Then hallowed be thy name. You can pause there. You're holy. You're set apart. He's perfect in power and love. What he's done for us. Give glory to God. You can stop after each sentence and think about the words and think about what they mean to you and just repeat that back to God. Thy kingdom come. This is saying, God, it's all about your plan. Don't let it be about my plan and don't let it be about my glory. Help me understand what your will is. It says, thy will be done. I want to be submissive to you. I want to do what you want me to do to help build the kingdom that you desire to have. I'm so thankful that I'm part of that kingdom, that you've chosen me and you've given me this gift of salvation with you. But let your will be done, not my will. And then on earth as it is in heaven, we know that this is not the heavenly kingdom right now. But help us to do our part to build your kingdom. Give us this day our daily bread. Here's where you can ask God what you need. Just stop there. Acknowledge that we're depending on you, God. I can't do anything. Everything is from you. And then this is where it says, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. We need to confess our sins. We can stop right there. Confess any sin. This is a place to be specific. And if there's others that we need to forgive, ask for the Holy Spirit to help us do that. And then do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from evil. We talked about that. We should ask for protection from Satan and his army. But be specific about the trials you're going through and the temptations that you may encounter during the day and ask him to show you the exit ramp so that you don't stumble. 
And then it ends, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And that's really talking about our confidence about what he has promised us and that we will be with him in heaven and that his kingdom will come and he's all powerful and will make it happen. God knows what's on our heart, but he wants to have this personal relationship with you. And the purpose of prayer, it's not to inform God. He already knows everything. It's to express to him that we are dependent upon him and that we have confidence that he will meet our needs. It's not to manipulate God with mindless repetition. We saw that. And it's not just a rote prayer even at meals that I have heard people say. They just go through the words and don't really think about it. Jesus prayed a lot to God the Father. And so we're to pray continuously just to have a conversation with God. We're so blessed to be able to do that. So let's go back over to Luke 11. We left off at verse 5. And Jesus said to them, suppose one of you shall have a friend. He's giving a parable here. This is a parable of a persistent friend. So he's saying, suppose one of you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. This would be flatbread back then. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. First of all, traveling at night, that was not unusual. And hospitality was very important to the Jews. Verse 7, And from inside he shall answer and say, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Back then, families, they typically slept all on one large mat. And so that's what this guy is saying. We're all in bed. The door's shut. I'm not getting up right now. Verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So it's not because of his friendship that he gets up. It's because of the persistence of the guy outside. This is not a blank check. When we pray, we've got to have the right motives, all right? And I've mentioned that before. Let's just go take a look at that. That's over in James 4. So you can probably find Hebrews pretty easy. So James is right after Hebrews. Just go over to the right, and you'll find it. And we're going to be in James 4. Let me start in verse 2. I'm going to start at the last sentence of verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. When we ask, God always answers our prayers. It's either yes, no, or wait. And sometimes I've mentioned when God's told me to wait, as soon as I think God needs a little help until I get the yes or no, that's when I really mess things up, when I start moving forward when God has told me to wait. And sometimes God has answered our prayers. There's a song about some of the best answers to some of my prayers have been no. I could have gotten myself in a real mess had I gone forward when God is telling me no. So a lot of times we think he hasn't answered when he's really telling us no. So ask the Holy Spirit to put on your heart exactly what God is trying to tell us. We are to ask God. Our purpose should be to seek his will. What is his will for us? Is it a yes? Is it a no? But Jesus, remember, when he prayed to God, he asked three times for the cup to be taken away from him. Yet he always ended it, but your will be done. This is my desire. It's okay to say, God, this is my desire. This is what I want. 
but please show me what is your will for my life or whatever it is that you're praying about. And now he's going to give us another model here. This is another way to pray. Some people just remember ask, A-S-K, and we'll see this covered here. Ask, A is the first letter, and that means you ask for your immediate needs. Then you go to S, which is the seek, and that's where you're searching for something that is hidden to you. You're looking for some insight or wisdom on something that you don't know the answer to yet. And knock is a repetition. It's something that you do over and over again, asking where God wants to lead you. What is his plan for whatever it is that you're looking for? And so he says in verse 9, And I say to you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? Fathers take care of their children and meet their needs. So God is always going to take care of us. We're his child. He knows what we want better than we do, which is why many times he'll tell us no. And that's the best thing for us. I'm sure we can all think back of when God told us no. We can look back now and say, wow, I'm glad I didn't go down that path. Verse 13, if you then, being evil, and by the way, we saw in some of the earlier verses, we all have sin, we're all depraved. So if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so the Holy Spirit is a gift to us. The Jews at this time, when Jesus is speaking, they were aware of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was present at creation, we see in Genesis 1-2. And they knew that the Holy Spirit was associated with the coming Messiah. We can see that in Isaiah 61, verses 1-3. through Ezekiel 36, verses 24 through 28, and Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 29. But the full revelation of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit could do for believers, that's revealed to us in the New Testament. And I just wanted to mention, because the Holy Spirit's here in verse 13, that he's given us the Holy Spirit. We saw that happens in Acts at Pentecost when the giving of the Holy Spirit to believers first began. But the Holy Spirit was around in the Old Testament, but didn't indwell in people of faith, like what happens to us as believers after Pentecost. And some of the things the Holy Spirit does for us as believers, it teaches us about God, gives us knowledge of God. We can see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 11-14. through 14. The Holy Spirit seals us for eternal life. The Holy Spirit is a down payment. It's evidence that we have eternal life. You can look at that in Ephesians 1, verse 13, as well as chapter 4, verse 30. The Holy Spirit also intercedes for us. And I want to take a look at that because we're studying about prayer this morning. So go over to Romans 8. Go over to the right again, back over to Romans. Romans 8, let's begin in verse 26. And it says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings 
too deep for words. And he searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so saints, remember, that means believers. So he intercedes for us. He makes our prayers beautiful to God the Father. The Holy Spirit also sanctifies us. That's in 1 Corinthians 6.11. Makes us progressively more Christ-like. That's in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And puts God's love in us and in our hearts. That's in Romans 5.5. So here in this teaching on prayer, this is where Jesus is telling that the Father has given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the source of all that is good. It's given to all believers The Holy Spirit indwells us once we place our faith in Jesus Christ. We often are asking for a gift from God to bless us in some way. And how does God respond? He gives us the giver and the source of all power and comfort. And that's through the Holy Spirit. And so I want to wrap up this lesson today. Just one more verse. If you flip back over to Romans, go back over to Romans 8. Let's jump in at Romans 8 verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you, then you're not a Christian. Verse 10, And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who indwells in you. So we have the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, it says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. I kind of want to summarize what we've read today. Prayer is so important, and you may not feel like you're very good at prayer, but all God wants is a conversation. He wants us to give him glory, and then he wants us to communicate to him our needs. He already knows our needs, but he wants us to tell him about it and ask his help and ask him to give us the Holy Spirit in order to understand his will and how we can live out our life in accordance with his will. And then finally, the Holy Spirit, what an awesome gift we've been given in the Holy Spirit to think that God is living inside of us as believers to help us. And it's so easy to forget that we have that power within us. And when we're going through trials, to just ask the Holy Spirit to teach us, what is it that you want me to learn from this? I know that's hard, and I'm not good at it. Most of the time, we all pray, keep us out of the fire or get us out of the fire. What God is really doing is he's wanting to teach us through every one of those trials that we go through. You've probably heard me say this before, There are not many people who win the lottery and then become Christians because they won the lottery. It's usually through our most difficult trying times that God then uses that to either bring us to our initial faith to begin with. We now see that we're not in control and that we've got to turn to God for help. 
or if we're already a Christian, to teach us something else, to deepen that relationship and that dependence that we have on God. God wants to use every one of those trials that we go through in a way to strengthen our relationship with the Lord or as others see the way we handle it and that we're at peace even as we're going through the trial, that it will have an impact on their faith. Why don't we just stop there for today? And this is a good place to stop because we couldn't get through all of Luke 11 in one lesson anyway. I'd love to hear anyone's thoughts on how to apply this or how you apply it. Maybe you'd share with us how you pray that you have found helps you in your prayers, how you use the Lord's Prayer, just anything on your mind that could be helpful to others. It really is. Yeah, isn't it interesting how so many denominations get away from what is actually just written here? (laughs) It is fascinating. As you've said that, to get away in your closet, I'll share this with you. Some of you know this because I've mentioned it over the years that we've been together. But one thing I did that I find very helpful in my prayers I'm blessed to have a little place in the woods right by my house. And I just have a chair out there. And I go out there and I sit down in the chair and I start praying. And then after I've talked, I usually stop and just say, okay, you've heard everything on my heart today. What do you want to tell me? And I just sit there in silence. What is it that you want to teach me today? Or who should I be praying for? Put their name in my mind. And you think about when you have a relationship with someone, if you do all the talking all the time, you're not going to have much of a relationship. So allow some space in there for God to talk to you. At the same time, God wants us to pray continuously. There are lots of verses on that, to pray continuously or to pray without ceasing. And we can do that when we're driving in the car. We can do that when we're walking down the hall. A lot of people get up in the morning and start their day with prayer, but we can pray throughout the day. And I would say probably one of the worst times to pray. I'm not telling you don't do it. I always pray in the evening. But if the only time you're praying is at night, right before you go to bed, if you're laying there, you're probably just going to fall asleep before you even finish. So talk to God throughout the day. But thank you for pointing that out.
I think that's fantastic. Prayer is really interesting to me because if God knows everything, why does he want us to pray? He knows everything. He's in control of everything. And yet, what an awesome honor that he's given us that as part of his plan, as part of his overall plan for all of us, he wants us to participate in it and pray about it. That's what he wants us to do. I don't fully understand that, but he's asking us to pray and communicate with him. And it is so awesome to me when I do pray to see him work through that prayer process to accomplish his will. It's pretty powerful. I like what you're suggesting because I think we don't pray enough. And it's not about long prayers, meaningless repetition prayers. It's about praying over and over and continuously, but using our own words and being mindful about the words that we're using to communicate our needs and ask God to help us. That's great. Absolutely right. Just like we saw in James 4, verses 2 and 3, having the right motives, praying from the heart, rather than just mindless chatter, reciting and chanting verses or prayers that we learned as children. And that's following the model. That is so good because you're absolutely following the model. You're starting out giving God the glory and thanking Him. And then the second part is talking about your needs or others' needs. That is the model that Jesus is teaching here. You know, another thing, if you just don't know what to pray, another thing you can do is just go to Psalms. You can pick some of those Psalms and Don't just read them aloud, but pause and think about the words. What do they mean? And say that to God as you read through one of the Psalms. That's another way you can pray.
that's fantastic. And I find myself praying throughout the day, almost every day, Lord, don't let me do things today that are bringing me glory, but please let your glory be shown through what I'm doing. Most of us are all pretty selfish and prideful, and my biggest problem early on was wanting to be somebody rather than be a servant of the Lord. And so I have to constantly ask God to help me in that way, to not be prideful, but to do things with the right motives. In any event, I hope this lesson today will get you thinking a little bit more about your prayer life. I think that's something that many, many Christians really struggle with and maybe don't do enough of. And so I encourage you to really just pray about prayer sometime today and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you other ways that you can pray. Maybe set aside a time each day or maybe once a week set aside a longer period of time. It's not about the time, but it is about spending time to build the relationship with the Lord and to seek His will and let Him know that you can't do it. He knows you can't do it. But remind yourself that you can't do it yourself. It's got to be the Holy Spirit putting on your heart. It's time to pray. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us today. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to me at LarryO'Donnell.com. You can also sign up to receive this weekly podcast and my weekly blog at LarryO'Donnell.com. I hope you'll join us next time as we continue our study.